our number two off and rolling. Happy full send Friday here on 104.5 The Zone. We're thrilled to have you a part of the proceedings. Been a fun show so far. You guys have loaded up the phone lines. You've been active on the Zone TV chat. You've been adding us on all of the social media platforms, and we are pleased to see all of this engagement because without you, the show is not possible. If you want to weigh in, 615-737-1045 is the number. 615-737-1045 is how you get involved. A lot of balls talk this morning. I'm obviously still here in Tampa Bay. The Titans and the Bucks square off right here on these airwaves on 104.5 The Zone. I believe kickoff begins at 6.30. So Titans radio coverage will take you up until then. Myself, Mickey Ryan, Blaine Bishop, Kevin Dyson, we will all be a part of the pregame proceedings. So make sure you keep it locked. All weekend long, really, anytime on 104.5 The Zone. The reason we're into Vols content today and uh, and why you guys have been so active is because we've been talking about this piece up at The Athletic that Joe Rex wrote and David Ubbin wrote, the recruiting confidential, how things have changed from, you know, basically Derek Dooley to Butch Jones to Jeremy Pruitt and now Josh Heupel and anonymously interviewing, well, anonymous answers given by high school football coaches around the state. And the priority, basically how to rebuild the University of Tennessee from the ground up and in-state recruiting mattering in a big way. So we'll, we'll get, Lucas has some thoughts on this about the NCAA uh, investigation or violations that are pending that I want to make sure we get to because, you know, for, for as, often as, uh, as often as I get after Lucas, I want, I, want his, uh, I want his opinion on this in particular because I know he's got particularly good insight on it but first let's go to danny who wants to weigh in this morning good morning danny hey good morning guys so i uh when it comes down to the recruiting i I couldn't care less if the guys are coming from tennessee or timbuktu i mean if we're getting guys that can compete and play and help push the program forward that's what matters the most to me i mean our starting quarterback in all likelihood is going to be coming from you know florida via university of michigan you know what i mean the transfer portal is going to start playing such a, a larger role in this that Yes, recruiting is going to be important, but right now for Josh Heupel, don't worry if they're from Tennessee. Go find them in the portal. Go find them wherever you need to go get them, win some games, and then everyone's going to want to be a part of it because of the program's legacy. All you got to do is add the wins. Everything else is already there. Hey, thanks, Danny. No, I mean, institutionally, Tennessee has everything that it takes, has everything it takes to get this thing right. It's just how you find the wins on the football field that's been the most elusive. Now, what, I, what Danny brought up about the transfer portal, I love that comment because it reminds me of somebody who's, who's kind of struggled with recruiting but has really, really maximized the transfer portal in trying to restock his roster's competitiveness and find talent that's been cast off from elsewhere. Now, Vols fans hate Florida, understandably so. I, and listen, I, I don't know Dan Mullen, but like Dan Mullen's antics, I have very, a very low opinion of. There's just something about him that kind of irks me. And, you know, we would, if, if, I, if I, we ever had the opportunity to interview Dan Mullen on this radio show, I would, I would say that to him because there's, you know, the Darth Vader, the mask after the games and, you know, fill the swamp because Texas A&M had a competitive advantage during the regular season, despite, you know, the global pandemic hovering over everything like and stuff that Dan Mullen does pisses me off, but where he's been best right now, because he hadn't been, he hadn't been exceptional at recruiting. 
he's been maximizing the transfer portal and using it to Florida's advantage in a big way. I think that is so critical to the new landscape of college football. And it's something that Josh Heupel, if they're smart, can find ways to kind of pick up the slack. Again, we're talking about injection, shot in the arms, how you boost Tennessee in ways that are, are outside while you wait for the wins to come and while you prepare yourself to be a winning football program or try and put yourself in position to be a winning football program, how you can expedite that process is by taking advantage of the transfer portal because there's a bunch of dudes in there and a lot of them have nowhere to go. It's a log jam right now, certainly at the quarterback position. There's been a ton of ton of guys because, you know, once you have a starting quarterback, everybody else scatters to the wind looking for opportunity and the opportunity isn't always there. But I mean, the way that Dan Mullen has kind of maximized that and used it to his advantage, I think it's a great blueprint for Josh Heupel and his staff. 615-737-1045 is the number. 615-737-1045. Now, Lucas has been champing or chopping at the bit. I never know. This is a great debate. I think it's champing, which is weird. I think it's but people say chomping because that just sounds more correct. Well, you know, this that it sounds more correct, and also it's probably incorrect. People are just lazy. All right, you've been champing at the bit to make your point about the NCAA and these recruiting uh, and these recruiting conversations. We haven't even touched on Clark Lee at Vanderbilt. I don't know if there's the same passion for that as there has been for this Tennessee discussion this morning. But Lucas, what do you have for me on the NCAA pending violation? Well, it's just the most, to me, the most interesting part by far about this piece from David Ubbett and Joe Rexford on the Athletic. The question was, what has been the impact of Tennessee's investigation on recruiting? Every single coach except one said virtually none. Coach number three said, I'd say virtually zero in my opinion. We have a player there now. Hopefully we'll have some good enough to play there in the future. I'd say virtually zero because, and I hate to say this, I think players have become numb to recruiting sanctions because so many schools are going through some type of sanctions, whether it's a smack on the wrist or a big blow. They may report something and get fined or miss a bowl one year, but I don't think it has nearly as big an impact as it did 10 years ago. Another coach said we haven't heard much about it. Another coach said none at all. I think everyone kind of feels like with the NIL stuff, what are they going to do? They're mad people got paid money. Now they're allowing people to get paid money. And one coach, one coach, coach number seven out of the mid-state said, it does hurt. It hurt a guy at our school with them. There's going to be some form of penalty coming. Just don't know what that is yet. If you don't get an opportunity to play in a bowl game, no matter what, or your possibility of being in a playoff is gone for a certain number of years, that's deterring. Otherwise, coaches are saying it has had virtually no impact because either it's just the norm in college football or NIL is here. Who cares about paying players anymore? God, I love that so much. That makes me so happy to hear because that's what I've been screaming about. I'm like, how the hell is the NCAA? Remember, I mean, we had this conversation last week about why the NCAA is the worst thing to me in sports, why it pisses me off, why it's the bane of my existence, because they're going to they're going to try and punish. They're going to try and punish Tennessee retroactively when the rules have damn changed. It's so good to hear that from college or high school football coaches in that regard, that it doesn't really impact recruiting because they understand the futility of what this NCAA, this, this in particular, and there may be some more severe than others in future instances, but this one in particular, there's nothing the NCAA can do that has any real bearing on this situation. That is that is so enlightening. It's so telling, particularly about this these looming sanctions or whatever they may be, whatever it ends up being, that it has precious little effect. Now, one coach does give voice to it, so you can't completely discount it because I'm sure it's a case-by-case situation. But in the vast majority of cases, it, 
who gives a bleep? That's so, that makes me so happy. I hate the NCAA. God, I hope that thing, I hope that thing goes crashing into the ground, uh, just falling from the sky. Mark Emmerich out of his ivory tower. Just, you know, I mean, of course, we hope no actual physical harm befalls anybody at the NCAA, but the institution, I hope it burns to the ground. Not the building, brick and mortar. I shouldn't say I hope it burns to the ground. <laughs> I just, I hope the principal of the NCAA. I'm trying to be careful, Lucas. You're not helping me at all. You, your job is to protect me. You're not protecting me very well. Oh. You're, letting me, you're letting me vamp. It's a bad deal. The NCAA stinks, and I hope it goes away for a long, 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 long time. Hopefully forever. 615 1045. I'm so glad you brought that up, Lucas, because I, I hadn't, I hadn't, I, it's a lot, it's, it's not an overwhelmingly long piece, but there's a lot of good details in there. And that, that's not something that had jumped out at me the first time reading it through. Of course, the athletic.com is where you can read it. Joe Rex wrote and David Ubbin doing great reporting there. Are you surprised by that? A little bit, yeah, and I'm also surprised by another coach that said he hadn't really seen much negative recruiting from other schools in regards to the investigation. Because they, everybody knows it's, I almost cussed, everybody knows it's bull bleep. Yeah. Like, it's just, what, Tony Soprano, what are you going to do? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. You're going to keep things, you're going to keep things rolling. Somebody's, <laughs> John Miller, John underscore Miller 477 has just tweeted us, uh, chew on this. Is it chopping or champing? At the bit from NPR. I'll have to give that a listen later. He says it's champing. I'm telling you, this is a great debate. This is discussed on many platforms. Well, no, because we've just, it's just been decided it's champing because smart people like John Miller and NPR have done some investigative journalism on this and have done the work for us. So, no, the debate is over. It's not chopping, it's champing. Everybody get it right. Drives me crazy. Coming up next, we'll talk about uh, what is happening. Oh, no, we'll talk with Dan Lust. We'll talk with Dan Lust. Uh, the sports lawyer about this Deshaun Watson situation. What's happening in Nebraska? You know, I think it'd be a good opportunity, Lucas, to get Dan Lust's legal opinion on what the NCAA may have grounds for with the University of Tennessee. Why don't we keep it with that theme? Deshaun Watson, Trevor Bauer, Nebraska, and Scott Frost, and the NCAA violations and the precedent that may or may not anymore exist with Dan Lust. Coming up next, I'm Buck Rising. This is 104.5 The Zone, presented by Scoreboard Bar and Grill. We've had a lot of fun over the course of today's show. And we're going to continue to have some fun with Dan Lust at Sports Law Lust, who joins us now, sports attorney, host of the Conduct Detrimental Podcast. Uh, wherever it is that you get your podcast, subscribe, rate, and review. My man, you've been very, very busy making the round sports media-wise. There's a lot going on between the courtroom and the playing field. We appreciate you taking some time. Yeah, my, my pleasure. You know, we have one of these weeks, be it in college sports, a little bit of baseball, a little bit of football, but sports law certainly has been busy the past, uh, we'll say, 72 hours. At Sports Law Lust is where you can follow Dan. So let's let's start with the NCAA just on principle. Dan, I mean, there are so many things that make this organization, to me, uh, you know, the, the uninformed, the uneducated, as far as the legal proceedings are concerned, that make this such a useless and toothless organization. Uh, but as we talk about the University of Tennessee specifically, we've been having a conversation about them all morning long having, you know, uh, who are basically awaiting NCAA sanctions from a recruiting violation having to do with paying players prior to NIL legislation being passed 
does the NCAA have any legal ground to stand on now that the rules over the course of this summer have all but been thrown out the window by the Supreme Court? You know, it's it's an interesting question, and it's happening. It's not just happening in Tennessee, right? Like Reggie Bush and Terrell Pryor, all these right. guys with older offenses under the old regime are trying to say, hey, can we get the wins put back on? Can we get my, you know, Reggie Bush, like, can I get my Heisman Trophy back? Uh, Terrell Pryor, those guys are alleged to have, like, sold jerseys and game-used game, game used merchandise after the fact. Um, you know, it's, it's a tough question. It's like, it's a similar question that we're having just in the country outside of sports. Like, if someone's in jail for a cannabis offense and cannabis is now legal, should that person stay in jail? You know, it's, it's a tough question, right? Should, should the NCAA, or, or maybe this, could the NCAA just exonerate all these past offenses? I, I don't really see an issue with that. I think uh, maybe they finally get some good PR, which, you know, the NCAA has been lacking in the last year, year and change. I haven't really done much right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're in their right if they want to to punish a program for an offense that at the time was inappropriate, uh, even though now it is not. Uh, so kind of a double-edged sword. Um, I don't see the NCAA uh, kind of, you know, closing up shop and saying, hey, this investigation's over. This is now legal. This is just not what the NCAA does. But uh, I, we can hope. We can hope the NCAA can re- read the pulse of the, uh, of the country for once. <laughs> they they have not been very adept. <laughs> just one time. That. Yeah, just just one time. Just do the right thing. Why not? <laughs> Why not? You know, just 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 once. Just for you know, I I don't know. I, you know, I have my my thoughts on it, but just I just feel like constantly you hear the name NCAA, even Major League Baseball, right? They had that big Field of Dreams game. Like the Major League Baseball gets it right once in a while. What has the NCAA done that everyone's like, you know what? Let's universally applaud the NCAA. They they did something good. Those are just not things that go hand in hand. I, I can't for the life of me think of a single instance and the and the comparison to baseball is a really, really good one because you're right, baseball hasn't been able to get out of its own way and up until the Field of Dreams game in quite some time. So staying in the world of college football, I, I saw Brent McMurphy's report from Stadium uh with Nebraska and Scott Frost, the head coach there, that they're both that they're under the NCAA's investigation for improper use of analysts, uh, according to Brent McMurphy's reporting. Also, according to Brett, during the pandemic, Nebraska held unauthorized off-campus workouts under staff's direction to avoid detection by school officials. What I mean, how – so from your standpoint, this feels like a witch hunt, no? How is the NCAA not the problem here? Call the police, right? We, we, had, a, we had a practice. We, there was a practice and there's extra analysts. Call the police immediately. We got to arrest everybody. You know, it's like – at a certain point, uh, you know, what, what is the NCAA doing here? And I, it's probably the same instance over in Tennessee. Like, the NCAA has to justify their existence. They are no longer the, you know, the improper benefits watchdog. That was their main thing, right, that they were watching out for, and that's part of the Tennessee stuff, why, why they're involved. And, you know, I, I don't know, could the NCAA do some good and, and make an example out of a program in a good way? Sure. They had that opportunity last week with these Baylor sexual violence charges and these oh, allegations over the course God. of five years. 2010 to 2015 and Baylor acknowledged that they didn't do a good enough job in that sense. So everyone's kind of watching, okay, here's the NCAA. They're going to lay down the hammer. They're really going to, uh, you know, show the world. If there's reports of sexual violence, you have to put it out there. And guess what? Slap on the wrist, $5,000 fine. No big deal. On to Nebraska. Witch hunt is on. Nebraska's going down. So like, you know, they, they, there's a time and place to set an exa- make an example out of a program. Um, and there's a time and place to just let things go that don't really matter, right? And Tennessee is probably one hand, right? Who cares anymore about paying athletes? You, assuming, assuming it did happen, who cares? 
Who cares if Nebraska had a practice that was unauthorized and they had an additional analyst that was having some communication on the field or with coaches? Like, who cares, right? You have better things to do, but, you know, that's the world of the NCAA. They want to play by the letter of the law. I, I would just hope that, uh, you know, that that's enforced appropriately across the board, that if any, you know, major program, be it like Alabama or, you know, like Clemson, if they have the same violation, that they would pursue it just as aggressively. But I, I just I just don't see that. Sports attorney Dan Lust is here with us on 104.5 The Zone. We're talking about the NCAA with with uh, Tennessee and with Nebraska. Dan, I, wa- I want to kind of circle back to that Baylor thing because it's disgusting to me how that all paid out. It uh, played out in a way that people should have absolutely gone to jail for what happened at Baylor. Multiple parties involved. And as you said, bear, I mean, a $5,000 fine for an institution like Baylor with the kind of financial backing and support that they have is less than a slap on the wrist. It's barely a mosquito bite. It's it's despicable how that how that situation brought itself to bear. What why have we not seen to that point people have criminal charges pl- pressed against them for what went down at Baylor so many years ago, and this being the culmination of the investigation by the NCAA. You know, I think what the NCAA will say, and and you know, there might be some truth to this that hey. This was an issue at the university, some of which potentially involved athletes, some of which did not. And who are we to punish an institution? We, we're just here to deal with the athletic side of, of the, you know, institutions. It's not really our place to kind of jump in and, and kind of police an entire school if the issue is not solely related to athletes. So, like, do I understand that? Sure, I do. Can I explain, you know, like, it's not like, a, you know, Buck, it's not like, a, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Like, right. if something criminal occurs on a, on, a, on a campus, it's still criminal activity. Just because it occurs, you know, on a, on a student body doesn't mean that there's nothing criminal about it. So maybe we haven't heard the last of it. It's just, you know, so much time has passed without any, you know, uh, at least as far as I'm aware, criminal charges or serious criminal charges that have been brought. Um, but failure to report crimes. Some states, right, uh, you know, I have to dig into what we have over in Texas, but some states failure to report a crime uh, is, is a problem in and of itself. So, you know, maybe people are playing, you know, past the buck, but you know, I, I think the NCA, they, I mean, just, just look what they did, right? They essentially punished them, right? And they just said, eh, we're going to kind of give you a slap on the wrist. To me, it's got to be black and white. If you think you have the ability to punish Baylor, which clearly they did because they did punish them, a slap on the wrist is just going to get people screaming, right? Either either lay down the hammer or don't do anything and say you don't have, say it's not within your jurisdiction. But to kind of play this middle area and give them a five thousand dollar fine, that makes nobody happy, and that gets people yelling at the NCA all over again. And you know, I think rightfully so. You know, I think they just mishandled this in, in every way, shape, or form. Even the messaging of relaying this punishment, they looked at it for years and they go, you know what? Let's close the book on it. Five thousand dollar fine. On to the next one. Time to kill Nebraska. I just, I mean, it, it, it infuriates me. It really to my core, especially with how serious and how damaging that was to the lives of so many people to see how that was handled. You're exactly right. The, the, the optics on it. It's just, I don't understand how the NCAA doesn't understand optics at this point after so many screw ups, regardless, Dan Lust sports attorney here with us on one Oh four, five, the zone, make sure you check out his podcast conduct detrimental subscribe rate and review wherever it is that you get your podcast. So, so, so from one story of sexual impropriety in the state of Texas to another, Dan, the, the Tony Busby, the attorney Houston based 
uh, attorney that is representing nearly a dozen of these women who are accusing Deshaun Watson of various forms of sexual assault or sexual harassment, uh, came out and said that he has been contacted several times by the Federal Bureau of Investigation having to do with this Deshaun Watson case. Now, I was I was surprised to hear it, but once I read a little more of the reporting around it, I understood how it is that they would have jurisdiction over this situation, kind of explain for the audience how it is that the FBI came to be involved in Deshaun Watson's case. Sure, sure. And uh, just so everyone knows, and, and Buck, it's interesting, the FBI has, uh, we'll say they've opened two separate files relating to Deshaun Watson, one in which he is, uh, you know, potentially a, a federal defendant in a criminal case, and the other one where Deshaun Watson might have been the victim of a federal-based crime. So let's right. go with the first one, Buck, the one that, that you you kind of referenced. You know, the allegations here, people are familiar with them, and obviously we're free to look them up, but it's an allegation of uh, alleged, you know, sexual assault uh, where a massage kind of went awry and it went from being a normal massage to one that was inappropriate. So the reason that the federal government, and it's not that shocking why they would be involved here, part of these allegations, the 20-plus women, some of them were brought across state lines to perform these type of acts. So to the extent that that is true, it's going to sound like a crazy term, but that is technically something like human trafficking. If you're bringing someone across state lines to perform some type of inappropriate act on them, it technically is, it could be human trafficking. So people hear human trafficking and they think, you know, uh, people are being brought from different countries. That's not really what it means. But if there's a, a kind of a crime that occurs over state lines, federal government's going to sniff around. So Tony Busby is the uh, attorney for these 20 plus women who are bringing these charges. He said he's had some conversations um, on that front. So I don't know if those if that's really so imminent. Um, we can talk about it, I think, on a state level. I think charges yeah. are getting pretty close to be filed. But, uh, you know, the other interesting one, uh, which Rusty Hardin, uh, Deshaun Watson's attorney, let us know earlier this week, was that Deshaun Watson actually gave an interview to the FBI because of an alleged extortion attempt by Tony Busby's clients. So he's he answered questions as to whether this could be a potential extortion uh, maneuver by these uh, alleged victims. So, yeah, FBI has two separate files, but starting to sniff around the case tells you that this, this case is starting to develop a lot of traction. Uh, so, you know, we'll see if any federal charges come of it. But the FBI having two files open and they're looking at both sides of it, uh, certainly a, a very big development. Yeah. So and because for so long, it felt like at least from on a surface level, from a public from a public news consumption level, there hadn't been a ton of movement. So now how how I guess does I, I and I don't know if this is a fair question for me to be asking you, Dan, but how how does the FBI go about moving forward in their process on both sides as you've just laid it out yeah here's here's the thing and there's another big development that's probably important to the fbi's time frame that occurred uh right within the last week um there were subpoenas that were sent out to for a grand jury to convene in, in, in harris county a grand jury there's an expression in, for among lawyers when a grand jury convenes they can even indict a ham sandwich very easy to get a criminal indictment um, because the prosecutors put on whatever evidence they want. There's no judge saying what they can and can't do. They paint a completely one, you know, one-sided view of the case. So if you get, uh, you know, a grand jury convened to potentially put criminal charge in front of someone, you know, uh, you can ask any DA. I'd say it's upwards of an 80% chance of some type of crime being brought. So why do I bring that up? That's a state, uh, you know, state police or you know, DA's offices at state level. They're thinking of doing that. They've already sent out the subpoenas, so criminal charges could be imminent. The FBI, to the extent they started, you know, they wanted to take control of the case, they would need to move a little quick. FBI will, will preempt the state's investigation, um, certainly. Uh, so 
you know, if the FBI really does want to get involved here, they have to be working hand in hand with the state to say, hey, you know what? We're actually going to take control of this investigation, which the fact that the Harris County is sending out subpoenas for their own grand jury tells you that the state still has control of this. So you're asking me, I don't think the federal involvement is so tangible. I mean, I don't I, don't, I think they're obviously asking around, um, yeah. but we wouldn't have grand jury uh, subpoenas being sent out if that was not the case. Dan Lust is here with us on 104.5 The Zone, sports attorney at Sports Law Lust is where you can follow him. Uh, Dan, you're, you're reporting on the Trevor Bauer situation with the, uh, the things that he is being accused of has been exhaustive. It's been exceptional. It's been really, really informative to follow along. He got a bit of a victory yesterday in the process of he's not yet cleared his name in what he's being accused of, but he did get a bit of a victory yesterday with the ruling that was handed down. Um, what, what I guess, if, if you can kind of walk people through how he got to this point and what the next steps are for him, what could still result in the process of this investigation against Trevor Bauer and the woman who's accusing him of, of the uh, of, again, a form of sexual assault? Yeah, so here, here's where people kind of are getting tripped up on social media. Trevor Bauer was not declared innocent. This was not a criminal case. This was something called an, an, an application for an order of protection. Now, people, I think that's a term that people will understand. It's not really a, such a heavy legal term. It just means that if someone's fearful of their harm, you know, for their, their safety moving forward, you apply for an order of protection. Sure, you have to kind of look at the events that led you to fearing for your harm, but the fearing of your harm, the future part, uh, is going to be re- very relevant. So after three days of very intense, very dark, and sometimes disturbing testimony, about whether there was consent, not consent, their relationship, these texts back and forth. What the judge came down, and she had a couple portions of her ruling, but she said, I don't think there is a degree of future harm here. And the evidence was that Trevor Bauer, from May 30th, when the police got involved, they had a recorded phone call with Bauer and the accuser. And Bauer said something along the lines of, if you don't want me to contact you anymore, I won't contact you anymore. So a month goes by, apparently no contact between Trevor Bauer and the accuser then files the order of protection. So I think the judge, you know, I think she probably got it right in, in that sense. I'm not sure about her findings on consent, but mm. what, what is the future harm, right? If he didn't speak to her anymore and he's agreeing to abide by not speaking to her, what, what's the issue? So he, the, the temporary order or the permanent order of protection was denied. Now, uh, by all means, this person, this accuser could still file a civil case. Uh, the DA's office could elect to pursue criminal charges based on what occurred in the past, right? People that see cold case Law and order. It depends what has already happened, not what looks forward. And then the other shoe is certainly Major League Baseball, which is now weighing these allegations plus allegations from a 2017 incident with a, a female from Ohio, which um, you know Washington Post reported. They bear a very sh- striking resemblance to these Dodgers claims. So yeah. you have two separate accusers now floating out there. Uh, so the the road to return for Trevor Bauer is is certainly very complex. Well, and certainly it doesn't help him, at least on the baseball side of things, that he called the commissioner of the sport a clown not that long ago. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I posted it yesterday. There's a very uh, damning video when Trevor Bauer says uh, in a tweet, you have absolutely no clue about baseball. You are a joke. Um, and yeah. then there's a live video of Man- Manfred reacting to reading that tweet, which uh, is just, you know, uh, it's, it's not great for Bauer, but, uh, you know, it's, it's good, good for us, good humor for us. It's like Jimmy Fallon-esque. It's like the mean tweet segment. That's outstanding. Dan Lust at Sports Law Lust is where you can find him. Go and listen and subscribe and rate and review to the Conduct 
Detrimental Podcast, wherever it is that you get your podcast. The man is doing exhaustive work, not only informing us all on social media about what's happening over the course of many different sports and many different facets of how it intersects with the legal world. Dan, we appreciate you making us smarter as always. Thanks for the time. And I, I don't know how you're doing all of this, buddy, because it seems like you never rest, but I, I appreciate you willing to stop by. Sports law never sleeps, and uh, neither can I, unfortunately. Thanks, guys. Anytime. It's like the dark night. Dan Lust here with us on 104.5 The Zone. All right. We'll, we will come back. On the other side, I want to have a conversation about this NFL quarterback situation. So we've, we've obviously touched on Deshaun Watson, but there's a lot of NFL quarterback competitions that I'm fascinated by. Some comments made by one of these guys that you're going to hear from coming up next that's in the heat of battle. He also claims, or at least his team did, for him to be QB1. We'll tell you who that is and what he said coming up next. I'm Buck Rising, live from Tampa Bay, presented by Scoreboard Bar and Grill, and this is 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back. 104.5 The Zone live from Tampa Bay, presented by our friends at Scoreboard Bar and Grill, the world's largest selection of Bushwhackers. Make sure you go get you some. And while you're there, some sports, some music, they got everything at Scoreboard Bar and Grills. Really appreciate Dan Lust taking some time, man. I feel so I, – I, there's so much there to process. I don't know how – because we, we went through five different things with Dan – all on a legal standing, all different cases, all with varying degrees of context. And the man rattled it off. I mean, this is what he does for a living. I understand, but like, I'm, I'm, I'm not that good at my job. I don't know how he's that good at his job. It's all on site. B- biggest takeaway. The, the more every development that comes with the Deshaun Watson case, the more complicated it gets and the further away he seems to be from playing football. Oh yeah. Cause I, I was going to ask Dan, I was like, you know, and Dan would, there's no way for Dan to be able to answer this, but like, Basically, the next question was, well, how how much further does this get him from playing actual football? And the answer is this dude ain't, ain't anywhere close. So the Texans can run him out there and then put him in safety during a training camp practice. By the way, I bet training camp practices with the Texans are so awkward right now because they tried to end training camp like three weeks ago <laughs> before the first preseason game. It has to be lo- nothing but distractions down there. Nothing but distractions. Well, listen, and it, it, you would be shocked, and I think I think the audience would be shocked by how many NFL teams aren't actually trying to win and how many of them are just trying to get through the current situations that they're in. Like the Chargers famously have done this throughout the course of the history of their organization. The Texans are currently in that mold. I mean, I, I think that poor David Culley, man, like one of the – and I don't know how many diversity hires were made over the course of the NFL this year. All I know is that it wasn't nearly enough given the amount of candidates were out there. But David Culley being one of these minority hires that finally gets his first crack at an NFL head coaching job and then gets stuck with disbleep, I my heart breaks for him because he's the next future former head coach of the Houston Texans. It sucks. 615 737 1045 cousin tower says his brain hurts from all the info that Dan lust just dropped on us. And that's, you know, I would say to you cousin tower, cause that's in the chat on YouTube where famously all of our YouTube commenters are just stoned <laughs> from 10 to one. So it's probably you know, the ringleader of that whole deal. Powers the ringley. Well, I'm, I'm scared that they're going to try to start selling in the comment section or something like that. And we're going to have you then we'll be under investigation by the FBI. Six one five seven three seven one zero four five. That's it's honestly 
like J Martin Ramon, they have their fam thing. And you guys know how I feel about the fam thing. It drives me crazy. It's overused. They run it into the ground. Fine. But we just have a collection of stoners that hang out with us because the because the only people who are watching a sports talk radio show on YouTube in the middle of the day are people that are, are either unemployed and smoking pot or working from home and smoking pot. The comment, which we love. The comment just reads brain hurt from all the info. Yeah. <laughs> brain hurt. Makes me so, so happy. 615-737-1045. Let's talk about some of these quarterback competitions last night. I was watching uh, Mac Jones, re-watching a lot of the highlights mostly because we were out to dinner and then I did primetime during the preseason game between the Eagles and the Pats. But I was re-watching Mac Jones and Cam Newton. Both look to be, you know, perform pretty well. And again, preseason is what preseason is. But, and the Philadelphia Eagles are wretched. My God, <laughs> Joe Flacco, get off the field. <laughs> it's so, so bad. It shocks me that this man is still taking snaps, preseason or not, for a professional football organization. And I love Joe. I love his hair. I wish I had his hair. I, I've got great hair. Joe Flacco's hair, elite. But regardless, there are so many great quarterback competitions happening in the NFL right now. I, I, we went through the list of them. We found five. We put it on a poll at Buck Rising on 104.5. The zone is where you can vote on said polls, which is, which is the best of the quarterback competitions at this moment. Cause Cam Newton clearly has the affection. What little affection that Bill Belichick has in his body. Cam Newton clearly has a place in Bill Belichick's mind or I don't think it's his heart, but whatever it is. He clearly sees usefulness in Cam Newton as a quarterback for him right now. Mac Jones, though, looks to be hugely efficient, operates very, very well from in the pocket. His, he's not mobile. He's not overwhelmingly athletic. But his pocket mobility, how he's able to avoid pressure whilst in the pocket, is something that seems to really, really be a strength for him. So they're, they're different quarterbacks that do different things, and they both have a usefulness to the New England Patriots this year. But I'm looking at the quarterback competitions. A lot of them have to do with people like Cam, rookies coming in to try and supplant the veteran on the team that drafted them. You have Jimmy G and Trey Lance duking it out to a degree in San Francisco. Uh, you have the situation with, uh, with, and I want to make sure that I have the full list in front of me, but you have the situation with uh, uh, Drew Locke and Teddy Two Gloves. Teddy Bridgewater, who I completely forgot is in Denver, and which, by the way, we thought was going to be a landing spot for Aaron Rodgers, and still may be when eventually he gets traded from the Green Bay Packers. It just will not be in the coming season. Um, so you've got Teddy Bridgewater, Andrew Locke. You've got Mac Jones and Cam Newton. You see uh, Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston, which is the most interesting of them because we went out to dinner with a couple of our buddies, you know, Teron Davenport and PK and John Ledyard and Michael Kist, uh, who lived down here in Tampa and Mike Kist, who, you know, has just taken a complete, he's, he's basically boasting that he's retired as a podcast czar for SB nation while holding court at the uh, restaurant last night. Restaurant was fantastic. So good. Uh, where we went to Colombia, Spanish, Cuban food, chef's kiss. Um, I was several Palomas deep by the end of that proceeding, but anyway, so we're talking to Ledyard who obviously covers the bucks for pewter report who was on the radio show yesterday, and he goes, I really think they're going to start Taysom Hill. I think that this division, I mean, the Bucs are already going to run through most of the NFL, but I think the NFC South is just a giant pile of crap. And that one of the, what they're going to come after, that Sean Payton is going to attempt to come after the greatest quarterback in the history of football with a tight end playing quarterback. 
That's that's how they're threatening Tom Brady. Well, what's funnier to to follow Drew Brees with a tight end or to follow Drew Brees with Jameis Winston? <laughs> I mean, both are laugh out loud funny, but not nearly as funny as what's happening in Chicago because this one didn't make the poll. But I, Lucas said I haven't heard this audio yet, but of course. QB1 in Chicago right now is Andy Dalton. Their Twitter account told me so, so it must be so. So that in itself is laugh out loud funny. And then, of course, they take Justin Fields in the first round this year. They trade up to get Justin Fields in a move that was, I don't know if it was surprising, but I did not not necessarily, I knew Chicago needed quarterback help. I did not think that they would go up and get Justin Fields the way that they did. And it's good that they did because they need it so badly. They've had some wretched quarterback play there. For the last couple of years. And if you want to weigh in, 615-737-1045. 615-737-1045. What's the most interesting quarterback competition in the NFL right now? Um, because what's happening in Chicago to me is laugh out loud funny. Funnier even than trying to follow Hall, future Hall of Famer, first ballot Drew Brees with Jameis Twinson or tight end Taysom Hill playing quarterback. I would like to hear your guys' responses. But in the meantime, I want to laugh at something that Andy Dalton said, because according to Lucas in this audio that was found, it is not Justin Fields' time. It is indeed Andy Dalton's time, according to QB1 himself. I know who I am. I know who I was created to be. I know um, where my identity lies. And so um, do I want the fans behind me and this team and all that kind of stuff? Yes. Do I want them behind Justin? Absolutely, I do. Um, But... I, that's not my focus. I can't focus on all that right now. Um, like I've said before, Justin's going to have his time, and Justin's going to have a great career. But right now, it's, it's my time, and so my focus is on being the best player I can be for this team and do everything I can to help this team win. Okay, so it's a, listen, it's a good answer by Andy Dalton uh, because he's not saying, I want Chicago fans to support. I don't just want Chicago fans to support me, and they don't, by the way. They want Justin Fields so very, very badly. But he's saying, you know, I also want them to support Justin Fields, I want them to support this team, on and on and on it goes. But, like, Andy Dalton, it's not your time. (laughs) If it was your time, they wouldn't have drafted a quarterback in the first round. It's just, you know, their Twitter account can lie to you all that it wants to about being QB1. But, buddy, you are so fast the hell out of there as soon as they – as soon as Matt Nagy goes one and two as head coach of the Chicago Bears with Andy Dalton as quarterback, fans at Soldier Field are going to be screaming (laughs) for Justin Fields, even if he looks disoriented. The first time you put him out there because the, the Bears schedule is kind of brutal this year. 615-737-1045. We'll take your calls. Scott will lead us off on the other side. What's the best quarterback battle in the NFL right now? Don't forget, Coach Dave McGinnis of Titans Radio is going to join us as well. We'll talk Titans for the first time today because, really, it's been all balls in NFL and legal stuff. Fun. I'm Buck Rising. This is 104.5 The Zone, live from Tampa Bay, presented by Scoreboard Bar and Grill.